Okay, so this is um, the Q&A, Q&S podcast um, with Jeremy and Chris from T-Tag, and Jeremy is also on the Silencer Shop Authority, right? Yeah, right. So, thank you for the donuts this morning. <laughs> so, um, this is a little unusual. It's the first one I've done in person, actually. So, let me pull my notes up here. So we're all in Austin, Texas. You visited Silencer Shop? Yes, we just did a promotion at Silencer Shop yesterday. Yeah, Austin's nice. Mm. I like Austin. Yeah, I gain about 10 pounds every time we come here, too. Yeah, um, avoiding tacos or barbecue is a trick. Do, yeah. It's really hard to do. Yeah, it's interesting, too. Like, you know, I'm from the South, and then living in New England now it's a little different and I love it there but yeah everyone's so hospitable in the south so it's not only us going and buying tacos but people bringing us tacos five times a day yeah so it's really nice uh, yeah a little better weather now than we're having in New England too of course like three quarters of the people here are not from Austin or Texas like me yeah you know it's just well the kid yesterday that city. brought he was from California that brought us yeah, one. Most people are California, a lot of people from Colorado move here too. Yeah, you should have kicked all of them out, right? That's what we're <laughs> supposed to do. Uh, we're full. So. <laughs> well where where are you guys from? Jeremy, you were from yeah, I'm from eastern Washington in North Idaho basically. Nice. Uh, grew up there, did a dime in California, went back. Now down here. I know. I was like it was like eleven and a half years, but you know. Yeah. It's a little like prison. Gun-wise, I enjoyed my time in the Bay. Yeah. What about uh, Chris? You, yeah, you're from Boston. I, yeah, I'm happy to be here. The city's changed a lot and wouldn't be anywhere else. I love it. I have not. You're the first person that I've met that I think is from one. here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's wonderful here. I see more people live here. Um, all right. So you guys both do reviews on T-Tag. Right. And truthaboutguns.com. Truthaboutguns.com. So that Robert no longer owns it. No, Is he that doesn't. What I saw? Yeah, as of uh, ten days ago or so, two weeks. And he started it, right? Mm-hmm. Who owns it now? Uh, wide Open Media. So they own Wide Open Spaces, Wide Open Outdoors, Wide Open Roads. I think there's a food one, Wide Open Food or something. Uh, they're based here in Austin. What is that? Is that like blog stuff, or is that? Yeah, websites. Um, they, they cull articles, they write their own uh, website about outdoors, you know, wide open outdoors, wide open spaces, I think is a big one. Uh, I wasn't super familiar, but they're, they're good guys and they are going to continue to let T-Tag run as it was. So Dan Zimmerman is now yeah. the managing editor and he's running it. Yeah. Um, same thing, it's the truth about guns.com. The truth part is really important. So that's the only reason people read the website. They want honest, objective reviews and everything else. So that's, we're still doing that. Well, how long have um, you been writing for them? Since mid-2012. Oh, so a long time. Five and a half years. What about you? Just about a year. Yeah. yeah. Pretty new. Yeah. yeah, and you do standard gun stuff, not the... Jeremy does a lot of NFA stuff. Right, yeah, just regular gun reviews, a uh, little bit of news also. You do the political stuff? Sometimes, but not typically. I, I don't do opinion pieces on politics, just political news, legislative oh, news. I'll get into that sometimes, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's interesting to our industry. Yeah, it's it's funny when I see on, like, other... Because what's, what's the other one uh, Other one that I read that... I think we're the only uh, one. Yeah, there's fi- another one. <laughs> Firearm blog. You know, what's their slogan? It's like, basically, we're not T-Tag. It's not politics. Yeah. I read them, too, honestly, and they have good stuff. Yeah, they have a good blog. Yeah, I look at you guys, and I like... I like Firearm Blog, and I like uh, Soldier Systems, Eric mm-hmm. Graves. Systems I like good. him a lot. Yeah. He, but, you know, he's so specific into – but it's so funny. People complain about the politics, but I think it's, like, the most prevalent thing, and people really sure. – it, it, it's like it's reality important. TV. You can't stop watching it anyway, even though you, you like, say, oh, yeah. I want to know about You have guns. to. If yeah. you're a gun guy, you, you have to keep an eye on the politics. It's kind of part of the package. Is there any other industry that is so tied to politics? I – I don't, you know, I don't Marijuana know. Marijuana growing. Yeah. No, <laughs> I, don't know. I don't even think it's as tied to politics as... Yeah, it's politics on the news every day. No, it's like, um, no. You know, I had this, my son goes to a, a fairly liberal boarding school and, you know, talking to the, the headmaster there about it. And it's like, well, 
Like, I don't, my son, like, grows up and he's not interested in guns. I don't care. If he's anti-gun, I'll think it's stupid, but it's his right. But, uh, you know, understanding why guns are just so partisan, you know, and, and especially, like, I have kids in middle school age, so after the school shooting in Florida, you know, the walkout and all this, and I'm like, huh, talking to my daughter and her friends about it, and I'm like... How many kids died of drug overdoses like last month or, you know, is this a couple of weeks after the school shooting? It's like, I wonder how many kids have died on the way driving to or from school since that school shooting. Sure. It's like if we, okay, you want to raise the age to buy guns. Like if we really want to save kids' lives, why don't we raise the driving age to 21? Because I'm perfectly fine with you guys not driving <laughs> until you're 21. Well, shit, like backyard pools, ladders, oh, household cool. furniture, yeah. well, chemicals under the sink. They kill more kids than guns. 1,500 yeah. people die a day from cigarettes. And these groups, oh, wow. there's, that's true, yeah, you know. Um, so those yeah. groups are always so militant about saving lives. Well, you know, oh, is this not a partisan issue? Because both sides smoke. Yeah. Same thing with swimming pools. <laughs> I had the same thing. I had this really liberal uh, neighbor attorney in Georgia, and she had a swimming pool, and she, her kids couldn't come to my house because I owned a gun company. Mm. You know, like I keep like two guns at my house. Like, yeah, you know, like there's guns laying all over the place and stuff. I mean, that's just her perception. And, you know, she's an attorney, so I have my own you know, initial perception of her. But. She should get it if you show her the stats. And statistically, like, the gun accident, she doesn't, doesn't even register compared she to She doesn't want to hear it because it's yeah. an emotional thing. Yeah. So like, to her, I'm like... a political thing. Like, the, the most liberal guy I've ever personally known from Santa Cruz, California, total hippie, diehard, like, over-my-cold-dead-hands gun owner guy. That It became a divisive political issue. Yeah, I mean, it is interesting as you see some. It's a political issue. Yeah, I think the same thing. I mean, the gun thing, for the most part, is so partisan. But I tell my neighbor, the the attorney, is like, well, if you're really worried about your kids' lives, like, fill in your freaking swimming pool. Yeah. Like, they're a lot more likely to die over there than they are at my house. Far, like, like guns. Orders but, of magnitude. Yeah, but you know, it's like, oh, well, I want a swimming pool. Right. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's where it's like nonpartisan. We all enjoy swimming pools, so, like, we just sure. leave that alone. Like, yeah, some kids are going to so, die. Do you weigh in on politics, like, with Q? Because a bunch of CEOs of different gun companies, X no. products, uh, was it Daniel Defense? Daniel. Like, they, they comment on these things. Well, I think some of it. Well, I think Marty Daniel is a tool, and I think he does it whatever would win favor with the company. I would say, like, socially, I'm probably not the most conservative out of the CEOs that I've heard, but I don't care. You know, you know like, it bugs me when celebrities or movie stars yeah. make political – like, my job is to design and market firearms, firearms, accessories, and make the best stuff I can. Like, that's my job. And – um I hate hearing, like we all do, you know, actors or celebrities or athletes make political statements. Or corporations. Well, yeah, also true. Like, I want, I like products for what they do. I don't care the politics of the person design. And I don't Mm -hmm. want, I don't want, like, I love movies and I have a great willing suspension of disbelief and I enjoy that whole, everything cinematic. Like, I, I really love. So I try to not listen to any of that because I don't want to hate. Tom Cruise in his movie, you know, like I, he, you know, he's made some great films, like sure. or Tom Hanks, or you know, because um, I tell you, I even love George Clooney as an actor. When he did that uh, Peacemaker, or whatever, when he tied the guy in the chair, yeah. he's gonna shoot him in the elbow, and he's like, "What's the password?" And he's like, "Hasselhoff," you know. <laughs> like I just, I love that. You know, I think George Clooney's kind of a liberal idiot. But I still want to enjoy that. And it's the same thing. Like like I said, I don't like Marty Daniel. I think he's not a good person. He makes fine AR-15s. And he, if he makes the best product that I need, I would still buy it. So, yeah, I, I don't get involved in the politics most of the time. What's your favorite gun movie? Um, I, don't, I don't know. Favorite gun movie? I mean, things that pop into my head, like Quigley Down Under, like I was amazed as a kid seeing that shot. I'm like, holy shit. (laughs) Um, But, you know, Ronan, I thought there was good scenes. I loved, uh, what's what's the one with Val Kilmer? He was like freaking, oh, but it's just so. (laughs) It's a good movie. Well, you know, I've shot so so many machine guns and all. Like, I think that scene where they shoot up the street is like, if you actually did that, it's probably pretty realistic. Well, it's it's, it's actual audio from that. They were shooting blanks, but the audio in it. 
isn't like dub over from something else on a different range. It's audio from them shooting blanks on that street. Apparently. Yeah, so it, it's loud in urban areas. But you know, I did the gun sounds, all the gun sounds for Saving Private Ryan and Black Hawk Down and Pearl Harbor and Band of Brothers. What do you mean? What do you, what do you mean you did like, those? We recorded them, Skywalker Sound recorded them at my farm with my machine guns. That's yes. really cool. Yeah, so no yeah, shit. Private Ryan won two Academy Awards for it. So, yes, I've been involved wow. in some. You get of that. Uh, royalties from that? You get a check every month? <laughs> I got a sweet hat. <laughs> you pay for your ammo? Do you yeah, yeah, I got some. Do they solicit you for that? or do you Yeah, they did. They reached okay. out to me. That was in 96 huh. or 97. It was a long time ago. Cool. Because I think Private Run came out in 98, 97, 98. Something like that. Two Academy Awards for sound. Huh. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so it helped fund some. Congratulations. Thank you. What guns did um, you use? Oh, shit. All of them. Okay. <laughs> Everything from. Like uh, Thompson BAR carbine, my twenty millimeter Solothurn. Um, well, were these your remember. private guns? Your yeah, yeah it's my private collection. Okay, cool. So nineteen nineteen. Uh, I don't remember. It's been a long time. Does anybody make a brace for the nineteen nineteen yet? <laughs> <laughs> that would be a good product idea. A pistol. Yeah. I, I did know at Knob Creek years ago when I would go. There was this this one. Um, I forget his name. This little bitty fat guy he was so nice and, and he was in the 1919s he would always be on the line and he had like eight inch barrel 1919s they were the loudest things you've ever heard awesome. the fireball at night would be like the size of a volkswagen and um that was his thing so yeah you could do that as a semi-auto with yeah, a pistol be great. it would be so cool they do make stocks for the 1919s yeah oh the, well the a4 is a stock yeah yeah they put a bipod on it and a stock yeah i've got an a4 kit for my yeah um, how many machine guns do you have Oh, I don't know now. I sold, a couple of years before I sold Advanced Armament, I sold about half my collection mm. to fund the growth of the company. Um, I wouldn't know. It's, it's a lot. Like, okay. the, the vault is um, 20 feet by 40 feet. Wow. Cool. So, it's, um, but, you know, it used to be 20 years ago, you could order all this foreign surplus ammo so i would buy like linked 50 bmg right. for 69 cents around Jesus. and like brand new south african 223 mm -hmm. for a dime around and so i would order like a pallet at a time so that would go shoot like i've got a negev a 249 a mark 46 a stoner 63 like a lot of 556 belt feds and i love shooting those and it was cheap so i didn't care but now you know i could buy 308 for 12 cents around so i've got a mini gun and stuff like that <laughs> realistically how do you maintain a collection like that um honestly what do you mean maintain keep them oiled keep them from rusting uh, away well I, I, keep I, them um, functional. that's a lot of time yeah, so I pay my farm hand to do it. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I clean them when they, uh, if I'm shooting corrosive ammo, we clean them right away. Otherwise, I clean them when they stop working. Okay. Or, you know, what happens is, like, you have, like, hundreds of machine guns. And I, the only thing I've never shot was my FG-42. But you, um, you end up weeding it down to, like, half a dozen or a dozen guns you mm. shoot all the time. Like, sure. I love shooting the M250 cap. Um, because we get like these big pieces of concrete, like the blocks where they separate the highway during construction off, and put those on the range and like, just <laughs> shoot those at like 300 awesome. meters, you know, and, like, kind of yeah, and you turn them into gravel. And, cool. Um, but, yeah, I mean, machine guns, most of them are pretty good, like quick change barrels and stuff. And I'm not, I'm not really into the maintenance. When they stop working or they start malfunctioning, then we do maintenance. Otherwise, you just shoot them. It's a gun, whatever. Um, well... What else did we have? So you're talking about dental defense and making good rifles. So who, yeah. other than Q, is making the best suppressors on the market right now? Uh, you know, so off suppressors. If you were going to buy one, you know, and you didn't own this company, who would you buy? Companies one? that I respect. We, we make the best suppressors, whether I own the company or not. And that's not, you know, because I touched them or Ethan did. That's just, you know, our 40 years combined experience actually doing R&D and testing. Um, you know, and I can explain why the stuff, the SIG stuff that we did is better than AAC, why AAC was better than Silencer Co., and why Q is an improvement upon SIG silencers. Um, other companies I like, I like Knight's Armament, I like some of their silencers, and they've really paved a lot of the history in the military and kind of paved the way for, um, you, you know, companies and then the organizations really utilizing silencers in combat. They make a lot of great products. Yeah. Um, uh, that, that like three foot long suppressor, I've never yeah. totally understood that. Which one? 
They make one that's it's just it's huge, huge. and it looks it's, like a giant churro. It's a reflex suppressor, so <laughs> oh, it goes oh, back to the bolt. The the M one ten, the SAS. It get, well, it goes yeah. over like ten inches of the barrel. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, th that's to help with um, blowback rather than going with a large diameter. Sure. Kept the same diameter. A huge expansion chamber. Yeah, that's. I mean. Yeah, I, I don't like reflex silencers. That's not one of theirs that I really love. But I think at the time, when you look at their stuff, I mean, they're 5.56 five, can. They're still making them and delivering them to the military. Mm -hmm. And that won the contract in 1996. Is it um, still good? They just kind of rest it on their I think it's good. I think people, well, it's once it's a contract, they can just yeah, buy. Yeah. It's like, that's not my armament. That's the government. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think that silencer is still better than 90% of them you can buy today. Mm. It's a little heavy and it's probably overkill for most commercial use. I think it's one thing, the advanced armament was really military based and we had a ton of contracts. And SIG was kind of in between and a lot of the Q stuff is really commercial focused, but I also mm. see in working with the military that usage change. And Knights, for instance, they're real smart with money and got big army contracts for this stuff. It, it, that's not super interesting to me. I mean, it'd be great to get the money, but. Uh, I like the technology and innovation, so working with um, the more, you know, elite groups within SOCOM and, uh, you know, other NATO countries where they've got guys that really shoot a lot and want the best product, not necessarily one that's going to last three generations or, right. you know, the Knights can, they could cut 10 ounces out of that silencer and it would be wonderful for the commercial market. Um, but I like, uh, commercially, I like Dead Air. I like Rugged. Um, who else makes good stuff? Who's um, making gimmick stuff? Gimmicky. Oh, this is a gimmick. This is just, you know. Um, well, I think that, uh, I think a lot of the um, OSS has been very gimmicky for a long time. I don't know their latest generation of silencers. It looks like it's very different. I haven't yeah. seen one. Well, someone took over, right? There's a new... A new owner or something I, that drove I, that line? I've lost track at this point. Know. But, um, uh, yeah. I, at least I, the weight on those new ones is more in line. They're not like three times the weight of a typical suppressor. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I mean, to me, I see like Gemtech and Silencer Co. and Yankee Hill as kind of one group of, mm -hmm. you, you know, probably average, slightly above average for the commercial market. There's a lot of mom and pop shops and there's a lot of like junk science that I see. OSS would be one of the big ones I could name. Um, like I don't even recognize some of the silencer companies now. I saw, uh, who was that, that video? It seems like there's a new silencer company every week. Um, but I, I think, uh, yeah, Rugged Dead Air, um, the Q silencers, uh, you know, Thunder Beast, I think is a good company, like their mm -hmm. silencers. But still, it's like to the point it's so dated, like their mounting system, having the threads in front of the tape or not EDM in their bores, you know, shimming their muzzle brakes. It's just, they're outdated at this point. But I think it's way better than Griffin Armament, for instance. I think it's junk. Um, so I, I don't know if you've got anybody else you can think of. Do you think the 300 Blackout will ever be widely adopted by the military? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. I do. Okay. Um, I think 300 Blackout, I think if Remington hadn't stepped all over their own peckers, it would have been adopted already. Um, you know, Whiteside SOCOM would have gotten, it would have been the, um, the Honey Badger would have been the PDW for Big Army. Um, and 300 Blackout, it's been adopted by the military. It's just, that's a slow trickle, you know. Um, but 300 Blackout, if we're... <laughs> If we're shooting in somewhat urban environments, like within 300 meters, I don't think there's a good argument for 5.56 other than the only advantage is ammo is lighter and it's more plentiful. But if, you know, we're trying to do the best thing for the soldier, 300 blackout's better. Um, you know, shorter ranges. So do you think troops in the future will have 5.56 belt feds and 300 blackout, AR, uh, you know, M16s, whatever, M4s, side by side, or do you think they'll switch across the line to 300 blackout? I think, uh, I mean, I think what makes sense is probably 300 blackout and some 6.5 cartridge. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't, I mean, 308's a great round, but um, I think you're going to get guys that'll be able to shoot better with less training at distance with with a 6.5 over a 308. I love killing stuff with 308. I think it's a wonderful round. But, you know, it's always, what's the military going to do? Who knows? Like, they just spent all this money on new pistols, and I think the SIG pistol is great. But, like, who cares about pistols? Like, nobody shoots anybody with a pistol. Like, all that money that's being spent 
if I were in charge, I mean, I would just, if you keep the same pistol or get rid of pistols, like get rid of sidearms. Every guy have a, hmm. you know, a nine inch 300 blackout or something. Did the Beretta need to be replaced? I think that's a good question for somebody more knowledgeable than me. I mean, I think maintenance-wise and all, it was a pain. I think it was a stupid decision. Again, like, nobody, I know out of all the groups that we've worked with and all, I probably know two guys that have shot people with pistols in the military, and it ain't big army, you know, so uh, I, I just don't even really see the need for it. And if you're not training, like, why in the world? Like, it's so difficult to be good with a pistol. Yeah. Well, you're giving them more people, too, now. They're doing what? They're giving yeah. pistols to way more people than they used to. More now. than, like, yeah. just officers. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know that I'm the person to, to really give an intelligent response, but it seems ridiculous if you're not really going to train with a pistol to have the pistol when it's real easy to be good with a carbine and you can have mm -hmm. a small, lightweight carbine. Yeah, they're hard. I mean, for home defense or something, like a honey badger has yeah. an optic. It has a stock to put against your shoulder and adjust for different size people. It's easy to aim. It's easy to shoot. It's hearing safe. Whereas a pistol is really hard to shoot straight. Yeah, I mean, my eight-year-old daughter within, you know, after two days of her first shooting, mm -hmm. you know, she shoots a deer at 150 yards with a red dot with a honey badger, you know, like nice. she wasn't going to, she couldn't do that with a pistol still today. So I don't, like, I, yeah, I mean, I think it, it makes, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me when there's other things like suppressors or thermal and night vision or, you know, they're just enhancements, it seems that could be made over a sidearm. Did you name that from the YouTube video, the honey badger with the like gay voice thing? Is that yeah. where it came from? Yeah, it's very, because that went viral at the same yeah, yeah. time that we did that. And Ethan wanted to clear anodize it and kind of, t and so it turned out that yellow color. Uh -huh. um, and uh, yeah, that's when that video bad. went viral. Yeah, because the, real, the name color. originally, for the, kind of the predecessor to it, we were working with the, the, the Navy. They actually named it the MPW, the multi-purpose weapon. Mm -hmm. So I think that might be the advanced armament ARs that we sold. That's probably the model uh -huh. number, but that was the original name, and we nicknamed it the Honey Badger, and it just kind of okay. stuck. Yeah, so it is kind of 50 shades of FDE. Why, why is that? So you're clear anodizing? Yeah, it's clear coat, an uh, hard coat, because it's the best anodized. So depending on, you know, the alloy composition, you know, each one is different, every run of material and all turns out like different shades. And then the handguard, uh, so the, all the gold parts are 7071, or 7075, and uh, they're hard-coated and they turn out kind of gold-looking. Um, and then the hand the handguard is, uh, so the receivers are, uh, and the stock rails are 7075. The handguard is 6061, you can extrude that and it turns out right. kind of gray when you... Because there's like different amounts of copper and tin and whatever in the yeah. aluminum, and then you heat treat and it makes it different colors. Well, yeah, when they anodize it, it just kind of, it turns a different different color depending on those things. Um, and some of it... When you just want the whole thing, like, anodized black, the same, or whatever. I don't know. You, you know, I'm so particular about a lot of things. Um, black, it's hard to get all that the right color. You know, and in the different lights, like, I, mm. when you see, I, I don't like when you, you, you see black anodized with purple or blue and they don't match. <laughs> And that gun was designed for the military originally, so the idea was they don't care, they want the best finish, and they're going to spray paint them anyway. Um, huh. So, I don't know, you know, at Q, we just kind of want to do the best thing within reason, you know, trying to pay attention to um, industrial design, so ergonomics and aesthetics, because guns should still look good, just like a Ferrari looks good, and it's a great race car, yeah. you know, but you also should make it beautiful. There have been some um, ugly Ferraris. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, but overall, Ferrari is known as a beautiful... I mean, it's hard to hit a home run every time. Um, what about with you guys? What's a good way to attract younger shooters? Um, you know, hell, I don't know. Exposure, I imagine. Um, younger shooters, like what age do you mean? 18. Like, how do you get their business? I don't know. You know, th these are great questions, and I think anyone that sells you marketing, it's because marketing is such bullshit, and I love marketing, but you can't ever quantify it. Um, my personal opinions, 
you know, it's probably like everything else. Like one of your one of your kids a certain way. It's a certain percentage genetics and environment, and whatever. I think with guns, the biggest blessing that we've had for young people has been Call of Duty, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's been great. Um, you know, I mean, I think young people, too, seem more politically aware than when I was 18. And when you start thinking about, holy shit, losing these rights, I might not ever be able to own a gun. Because I, I can say that me growing up in this industry, and that's all I've ever done, as a teenager working in a gun store, and I, I say it on every podcast, how the demographic has changed so much. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know. With with young people, the exposure, having the ranges, the ability, taking young people out to shoot, especially you take someone out to shoot with a silencer, everyone has a great time. Um I mean, I think politically, it's it's a great idea too. Kind of having some mentorship, mentorships, or, or whatever, some things like that, where you take young people out for them to shoot and see shooting sports or hunting. I didn't get into hunting until I was an adult, and my kids have grown up with it. You know, it's just kind of mm-hmm. second nature to them. Um, I bought an ACR recently, and I showed it to some friends that aren't gun people, and they knew it from Call of Duty. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, oh, so cool. yeah, when when I worked uh, after Remington bought my company, I got all of the <clears throat> Remington defense guns and the Call of Duty, so the MSR and the Honey Badger mm-hmm. and the ACR. And, all that stuff. <laughs> and the nice thing is the real names in those, right? Yeah. In some of the new games, because I I was like Golden Eye 007 back in the day, and like I learned about guns and that, but they all had different names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What what about um? So you guys, do you have a YouTube channel? Is that is that? You could call it that. That's what it's I called. Guess. Yeah, are you getting um, what? That's where your videos are hosted, or where you post them, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I will be on full thirty soon because of the stuff YouTube has been doing. But I'll, I'll keep uploading to YouTube as long as you know they'll have me. They'll have gun related stuff. I mean, for the most part, my channel kind of sucks. It's just uh, Jeremy S. Like I didn't brand it as anything cool. Um, I'm really boring because it's just me like know, talking at like the camera. Yeah. But well, yeah, it's okay. I, I, I like the one that you did on our El Camino or whatever where you're wearing the fur coat. So. Yeah. Well, it's cold up in North Idaho. <laughs> yeah. I did get raped by a bear that day, though. No. <laughs> I don't recommend a bear coat in the uh, woods of North Idaho. Oh, no? No, they made sweet love to me. <laughs> you um, came out of that. That's okay. pretty tough. I'm almost at 29,000 subscribers, so I'm feeling good about that. That's it's good. grown a lot in the past yeah. couple of months. I've tried to just, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Interesting. Well, that's cool. I enjoy it. The more interesting stuff, because so many people do it. It's so painful for me to watch any of that. Everybody's always shocked. Like, I don't watch gun TV or read gun magazines or those videos. If somebody does something on us, like, I try to watch it. And there have been some good ones that I've enjoyed. But overall, I don't enjoy. What's the formula for you? For a video? Yeah. Like, what do you try to... <laughs> I guess sort of similar to gun reviews on T-Tag with less less in depth. I, I just try to cover the most important information. Like I, they're reviews mostly, right? So if someone goes and buys whatever it is, I just don't want them to have a surprise. So whether it's good, bad, anything they should know, anything that stands out, like no surprises is sort of yeah. the motto. Like I, I want them to pick up the gun if they rent it at a range or whatever, shoot it, and be like, okay, yeah, everything he told me to look out for or whatever, I, I've noticed and he was right. Or, or some of it's subjective, but... I, I think that's so no wonderful surprises. and so important. There's a lot of bullshit in firearms marketing, but, you know, one good thing is everybody just makes ARs now. So it's, like, pretty easy to identify any issues and, you know, like, kind of foreshadow any expectation or whatever. Sure. Um, but with silencers, it's like, oh, my God, there's just so much bullshit in the marketing. That's where... I don't even post numbers anymore, and people will say, oh. Yeah. Yeah. It's like anytime I post a number now, it used to be there were only five or six silencer companies back in the day with advanced armament, and you had like Robert Silver's running silencer talk, and he would do reviews and sound meter stuff, and mm-hmm. you couldn't get away with bullshitting. And now there is none of that. And I wanted ASA, when I started that, to be kind of the governing agent. You, know. you started ASA? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah, um, so, I mean, you've got to spend fifty grand to get a meter that will actually do it to military spec with that the military whatever meter. I, I mean, to me, in military spec, like who cares? I mean, you could do it cheaper than that, but like w- w- internally, like we try to decide per silencer where is it important like, mm-hmm. to meter. I don't care what the military. Sure, says. no, I want it at the ear. I want to know that the suppressor is hearing safe under that one hundred forty dB threshold at the ear. If it yeah. is. 
then everything else is kind of gravy. Yeah, yeah, and, and so with a gas gun, you know, that's obviously a different design and much more important. And you'll see we're we're coming out. We don't have a five five six can. We're coming out mm-hmm. with totally different design materials. Excuse me. Than the um, than our current stuff, and and that's one of the reasons. And we also wanted to bring. Um, uh, well, well, I'm not going to give too much away, but w- with the metering now. Um, you know, people ask me that. Now, I don't even want someone to buy our silencers for sound. Mm-hmm. And I say that when saying the full Nelson is the quietest 30 caliber silencer I've ever metered. You know, we took the, the Cyclone, the 762 uh, SD from AAC, and we made a ton of improvements. Ethan did at SIG, mm-hmm. and then things that we learned at SIG, we improved and made the Q silencer. And the SIG silencer is the quietest one we'd ever metered. But, you know, it's like if I post we're 32 dB, you know, those two Griffin sisters will the next day say, oh, ours is 34 dB. Sure. It's like, uh, yeah, okay. Um, So I I don't know. It's not even on the priority list generally for me now. Most of the decent companies make quiet silencers. Mm -hmm. So I just look at all these other aspects of it that are important that are going to give somebody... You know, a user experience that will last. Is, you know, is won't tone be important to you? Um, so you've brought this up before. Yeah. Well, if you're like you said, you're looking at one can that claims 32 dBs and one that's 34. Maybe the 34 legitimately is technically quieter. It might sound louder to everyone who's behind it and around it. Yeah. Well, it, it, it depends when it's rifle stuff to me, because this is why I want to make short and long suppressors, rifle silencers. Mm-hmm. If I'm hunting. Um, I care. I'm getting in and out of a vehicle. I'm hunting from a blind. I have to calm a tree. Like anything like that, I just want something that is won't damage your he- hearing. Safe. I don't notice the shot when I shoot when yeah. I kill something. Yeah. Um, if I'm out with my kids or I'm shooting in close proximity to other people or whatever, I want the quietest thing I can get. Um, you know, with 22s, I want to be silent. Uh, you know, and but with with a supersonic rifle, I. Who gives a shit? Like, I would much prefer it to be lighter and compact and add more weight to the gun, um, that, it, that it, it gives me better dispersion or, you know, you're more accurate. And that could be partly because mm-hmm. the mounting system, the EDM bore, that we have a very generous bore so the bullet's not getting close to one side or the other. Um, and it could just be because it's cutting the recoil in half. Um, but that's kind of what I want for that. 22s, I generally always want to be silent. Um, handgun silencers, I want it to be silent. Like, if it's not enjoyably quiet, I would rather just put in plugs and shoot a handgun. Um, and I love handgun silencers. We're just not really there yet. You know, when you have a handgun and you put a silencer on it, it doubles the length of the weapon. Yeah. But with a rifle, you know, if a silencer doubled the length, like, you wouldn't use one. Um, what are you doing to take care of that? Well, I don't know. I mean, I think the market, I mean, obviously, I mean, the, the market has been down for silencers for a year and a half or so, and so we kind of halted. We had a couple products to bring the market that we stopped until the market came back, starting to come back now. But I was excited about an integral pistol. Um, and I actually think, you know, Ethan will disagree with me, and he's more knowledgeable about pistols than I am in engineering of pistols. I think the Silencer Co. Maxim 9, I think they did a good job. Like, it is one of their best products by far. Um, I don't think it's a great pistol that's going to last as long as other pistols, most likely. But that's pretty cool. But it's flopped, you know. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it really has. It could have been bad timing, or the market's just not ready, or nobody gives a shit about hanging silencers. Like I don't really, I don't, I don't know. But eventually, we've been working on one. Um, I think it's a hard sell because you're buying an expensive product that's like fixed as it is. I can't take that suppressor off and run it on all my other pistols. You know, it's yeah. Well, Integral Twenty Twos used to be real popular, but that was before muzzle cans got so good and quiet. But yeah, you're probably yeah. right. Like but people get those for pest hunting and stuff. That I know they're pushing this gun for home defense and carry and whatever. I just is it, it really? It's, it's been a hard sell. I think. Yeah, well, I, I, I can well, see it. It's not great on the range. I think it's screaming hot. Oh, really? Um, after I've not shot it a couple a lot. of mags, you know. So, but it it fits for that defense sort of uh, role. Well, defense, I don't really care. I guess I would rather have something small that I could conceal, <laughs> or 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 I would have a carbine. So It'd be a good nightstand gun. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I, I'd rather. Have it a it carries bag. better than a pistol <laughs> with like a short nine millimeter can on it. Just yeah, 
there's no edges. Yeah, yeah. I, it I, works. I, I thought they did a good job, and I don't know how much is just I'm disconnected from the consumer or it was bad timing for yeah. them. I mean, Silencer Co. obviously is kind of falling apart. Yeah. So, you know, I don't know if they're going to be around or not. I mean, I know they – would they throw both owners out or the maybe Josh and Jonathan yeah. or whatever his name is? At least two of the C-level. I think – I think it was a mistake to launch the prototype and stuff like two and a half years before it actually came out. You know, the the hype had disappeared by the time they were actually ready to take orders. And yeah, the the timing, the market just being so down. But how's the Maxim 50 doing? What is that there? It's oh, the black powder thing? Yeah. Or muzzle loader? It's still like 800 bucks now. I've seen them discounted everywhere. Oh, well, that's probably so, uh, a I can good actually sign. Tell, when we put it on T-Tag when it came out, and we sent a link to the Silencer Shop website that we could track. They wanted to see how much stuff was coming from there. That link got clicked a gazillion times, and over the course of a week, I think there was one or two orders of it placed mm-hmm. via that link. I was shocked. I thought people were going to snatch that thing up like crazy. Um, I thought yeah. it was really cool. but Yeah, I think they had no some real did. innovative ideas, but... It's either a lack of follow-through on, you know, I don't know, because they, they spend so much money on marketing, and, like, I love marketing, so marketing I want to believe good. it. Yeah. Oh. And people oh. always joke, like, oh, they're a marketing company that makes silencers. That's ex- Well, that, that's probably <laughs> a quote from me, but I, think, <laughs> I mean, I think that's true. I mean, I think most of their engineering has been not great. Mm. Um, you know, I mean, the Omega rifle silencer, which they've sold a ton of, is... yeah. Mediocre at best. I mean, the tube falls off. You know, it's not EDM'd. The mounts generally suck in that thing. Um, but it's been okay. But they've done a great job marketing as a company. Uh, on your on Q's marketing, do you put much thought into it, or you just wake up one day and it's not any badger now? You know, is it methodical? Uh-huh. These kind of crazy names. And stuff? No, I would love to say that it's all methodical. <laughs> yeah, it just no. I spend no money on marketing, and I do. Almost every piece of it myself, including running Instagram, is just something that I love. And most of it is just what I think that day or what comes up. And you know what I've seen? I've tried to be methodical and work with marketing firms and all in the past. And I, I can't see a difference. They don't like taking risks. You know? They don't like taking risks. And I mean, I think from a professional standpoint, it was something that SIG wanted to do. You really build a brand. Every aspect of your marketing has to kind of go into that and they're you know they're looking to sell the company in five years or whatever and i I don't i i could be very wrong but i enjoy the marketing and i enjoy q and i wouldn't do anything else and i want it to show like our personalities and part of that is too we don't feel like we're part of a machine like all the employees there we're all part of somebody comes up with a good idea to market something do an instagram post to name something we just fucking do it and um I don't know. Like I don't love everything I've done since we've started Q, but when I've worked either at Remington or SIG and look at the marketing where they would spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on something, I have just as many regrets there as I do when we're impulsive. And I think the impulsive part is nice. You know, it's part of my personality and um, whether it is if somebody, you know, randomly on an Instagram live is willing to donate to a, a charity and I'll give them a gun or... I love that you do that. Yeah. So, so that's cool and that makes me feel good. Sock F? Is that yeah. always a charity? You take yeah. donations to pre-order with that. Yeah, that's so- a great thing. Sock F. So that's a good one. Our buddy Dave Kramer, um, who's in charge of all the non-gun stuff at Magpul now, uh, he started that and they take no money out of it and he's probably cool. one of the best human beings I know. Where does the money go? Um, all to, to soldiers or their families. Cool. So um, a lot of it is guys that have been kill- killed or severely, you know, wounded, disabled, helping helping their families. And um, I did a podcast with him, which is a really great one you, you guys ought to listen to. He, um, they basically have like kind of five buckets of things and like one's traumatic brain injury and one is, you know, helping, you know, ends meet for a family when, when they're, you know, the husband's killed or whatever. Um it's just so inspiring to see like you go to their events and like the owners of Chick-fil-A are there and they'll you know buy guns for $50,000 and you know the only thing that comes out of all the money is he rents the facility 
to have the event, like, and it's five hundred bucks. So forty nine thousand nine hundred, sure. or you know, five hundred dollars goes to the family. And whatever the gun is, is it usually donated by a yeah, company? Yeah. So that's how stuff like we donated the very first fix, and I think it brought like twenty five thousand dollars or something. Cool. And um, you know, I bought a lot of guns and different things there, and uh, it's a great one. Um, but I think just being impulsive and being you know, something that the consumer can relate to. And I love actually to start offering people because I think it probably started with a guy who wanted to come build his own fixed rifle. I love that you do. That. And so I'm like, okay, if you donate 500 bucks to the charity, yeah, like yeah, you can do it. That was cool. And yeah. what's so great is when they come and when he came up and did that, I think we probably gave him a free silencer and gave him like a bunch of stuff. So like his $500 donation, he probably ended up, not only did he get this experience of getting to build his gun with the guy that designed it and all, which is cool from my opinion, but he ends up with, you know, probably a couple of grand in accessories and product that mm-hmm. we gave to him That's just awesome. for being like a good human being. Yeah. Um, so on marketing, um, your dad does your customer <laughs> service. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. So, so you, I use my dad. Website? I use my dad. I've always wanted to go to the Kevin was a mistake. It's nothing. Accident. Yeah. It's nothing. <laughs> well, it is the email and it comes to me. So, so my, my, my father. So I was an accident by seven years and, um, my parents just blue collar, kind of hard ass, you know, Southern people that worked hard their whole lives and provided. And then, you know, then they have like this accident when they're, you know, getting in their later years and, you know, and it's, it's me and they've never really understood me. They were getting older and I'm different from my family. And I'm pretty sure they thought I was going to be a criminal or something. I don't know what happened, but you know, my dad was very shocked and like afraid because I didn't grow up with guns and stuff. That I got into guns. Like, I think he was thinking, like, Columbine or something. You know? <laughs> and, um, but, you know, over time, like, he just understands it's my passion. They've been real supportive. But he's just always a huge smartass. And I think as I became successful, you know, in his eyes, because, you know, he retired a factory worker and just a good, honest man, hardworking, supported his family. WWE fan? Well, yeah, it was NWA back then. He did not like WWE because that okay. was showbiz. But, like, NWA and Georgia Championship Wrestling, that was like bar <laughs> fights, you know? Right. So he could relate to that. So, <laughs> My dad comes from a tough family, a tough dude, and um, uh, you know, family of fighters and stuff. And so he saw you stuff, build your own thing. Yeah, he saw me build that, but it's so funny. You know, he's very proud, but can never see it. You know, like when I did the the gun sounds for Private Ryan, mm-hmm. and we have you know the last name Brittingham. When he goes to General Motors that day to work, you know, four thirty in the morning, he's walking in. Like, Brittingham saw his son on TV, you know, and all this stuff. And they think it's so cool. And so then he becomes like very proud. But he'd never tell me that, of course. He tells me like I'm a fucking idiot, like all the time. (laughs) And so he'd come to work to help us with things or whatever. And, you know, like I know he's proud, but it's always like hard ass to me. Tells me I'm an idiot and a moron and, you know, what the hell am I doing? Um, so I just decided to sort of, like, I, I think of all these things he said to me, and he has all, like, these redneck sayings and, and um, you know, like, all this redneck wisdom that comes from working in <laughs> a factory in the South. That anytime I would do something, he would have, you know, like, these one-liners for, and so they still stick with me now. So I just decided to kind of, like, pay him back and be a smart ass, but and for his friends to pick on him and shit mm-hmm. when they're, like, drinking beer at the lake. <laughs> but so we make him, like, kind of the face of the marketing and pretend like he kind of runs the back, and he works with us some. But, and um, so put all these slogans. So, yeah, the customer service email is ken at kevinwasanaccident.com. Does he actually get the emails, or is it somebody? <laughs> no, I, I actually get the emails. <laughs> he would never respond to them. <laughs> Did you know you were going to do that, like put his face on things and his name and oh, yeah. his quotes? Because you've got quotes. Oh, yeah, I asked him, or he would have, like, beat the shit out of me. <laughs> Okay. Like yeah, if he if he would have not been okay with, I would not have been able to do it. Like at seventy five, he still. Yeah. I'm surprised he still doesn't like bare knuckle fight for money. Uh, he's, <laughs> uh, he's tough. No, he he's not to be trifled with. So I would not do that without him being okay with it. But um, yeah, so it's funny. It makes my mom and her friends like laugh at him. Which is <laughs> it's just cool. That's good. Um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's just like one of those things. Like I probably was sitting there one day and thinking about. Like, Lil Paul did a marketing campaign. They might still be doing it. 
few years ago, which kind of touched me, and I loved it because you know my parents being parents being factory workers, showing the dudes and the people in the factory right. like doing the work yeah. and like talking about. It. I'm like, that's hmm. cool. I'd much rather see that than what some Chinese 14 year old assembling my scope. And they get their recovered scopes that have been in the that people find that wash downstream 10 years ago, and they put them on display. I love that. Yeah, they, do that. they have they have good marketing. Yeah, yeah. Lil Paul is a company I respect a lot, and. Um, you know, but I, I think most of my marketing influence, because our industry just really sucks for marketing and things for the most part, it, it's outside. You know, it's other industries, hmm. um, you know, other companies that, that I admire. You feel almost like a tech company sometimes. Well, I, I hope. I want to say that we're like an innovation company that that's that, a better that, word. That, that, that focuses in small arms. Hmm. Um, you know, like to me, Daniel Defense is a gun company, and again, like I think Marty Daniels is despicable person. <laughs> However, he has built a really quality AR-15. You know, they're consistent quality. They're mm-hmm. well, you see one in the gun store, it looks great, presents well. Yeah. You know, that's a gun company. I like. I don't want to be a gun company. I don't want to have a giant factory. I want to work. You know, I like being one of the dumbest people at the company. I want to work with brilliant people that innovate and aren't afraid to fail. And I think that's one thing, you know, Mike Smith was my first employee at Advanced Armament, and he's a designer and um, brilliant, brilliant person, has all the capability in the world, but he's such a pussy that he's afraid to make a mistake or fail. And so he's afraid to try, and maybe he's a mama's boy, I don't know, but he's afraid to try and like, I don't mind screwing up. And I think it's inspiring. Like as time goes on, I get older and I think about people working for me. Like, why do they want to work for me? Because I think a lot of it has to be very stressful Um, for me, not being very professional and consistent and all this, but you know, I'm hard work, hard working. I'm driven and I demand to be the best. Like, and we fail sometimes. Um, But it seems like that's inspiring to those guys. Like they know they're not going to work their asses off, work nights and give up, you know, time with their family or Mm -hmm. dates or whatever. Uh, And then I'm going to cut a corner at the last minute or uh, whatever. You you, you know, they recognize I want us to be better than everyone. You know, back at AAC when Surefire was our main competitor, like the only way we could, you know, succeed was to just be better. Surefire beat us in 2006 for a SOCOM contract. They deserve to win. We beat them every contract after. And um, we only did it on merit. It was the only thing because, you know, Surefire had all this marketing money. They would hire guys from every special forces group in the world to work for them. Cards were stacked against us, so we had to know when we went there we were going to kick their ass. And we did. And um, I think that's inspiring for guys that are really smart. Like, you want to work on the best stuff, the most innovative things. What advice would you give? I'm oh, sorry, go ahead, Jeremy. Uh, so you mentioned not being afraid of failing and learning from that. Q hasn't failed publicly yet with any of its products. You haven't had a recall or issues. Have you, internally, have you scrapped something? Like, not um, just come out with, okay, the hinge doesn't work. Like, we needed to refine it more. Have you there. scrapped the Ethan's left. We've got like 900 card numbers. Uh, some of them were on revision, like S. We started at eight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Does that count as failing? I mean, or is no, that like, okay, that, we, that we thought not we count as a failing. modular pistol silencer, yeah. but it sucks. But like, scrap the program. Like, I mean, to me, away. to me, if if I want a, um, okay, I don't need to ask you guys anything else. It'd be random. If I want uh, a bipod or a pistol mm-hmm. or a silencer, if the first one is perfect, like then we didn't set to me the bar high enough. Um, that is so rare to do. Like I will say, we hit a grand slam, but it can't be the first at bat, so it'd just be a home run um, with with the fix. But there's been so many revisions, and but there's so much new stuff in the fix. It's not a 700 yeah. we dropped in a fucking chassis, you know, like a bunch of wannabes, but. It, it's so much stuff. Like you said, some of the parts revision S, but it was a home run out of the gate. The gun mm-hmm. is freaking incredible. Um, Did you know we gave up the uh, the editor's choice for best new product of 2017? Oh, thank you. I, I, even, I, I Kevin doesn't see these things. No, but, no that's so you know, awesome. The, we, we, the readers thank voted you. for everything and like oh, shit. silencers, pistols, guns. 
Um, and then the editors kind of sit down and we choose what we thought was the best new product. And, and it was the fix. Oh, that is so awesome. Thank you. I, I didn't know. Even though it's a boring That's, bolt action rifle. Isn't that so exciting? You know, was, yeah, but it really is. Like, I'm going to be really humble in saying you got it right. Like, <laughs> I mean, it is. And you know, you know why? I created an environment. We had a common goal. And they worked together as a team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the smartest kids at the shop. Like, all he did for three months was just the hinge. That's one of the hinge on the fix is incredible. You know, if Ethan could have done everything on the gun, so could Nick, so could Brian. But... It would take 10 years, and some of the things wouldn't be as good. But, you know, you get all the guys, they all get along. Mm-hmm. Like two of them right now are on a motorcycle trip this this weekend in the mountains riding freaking probably, dirt bikes. Probably dead. By probably solution. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, the guys, we all like each other. We all hang out. Like, we celebrate everybody's birthdays together. But um, we don't have internal. No one's competitive internally. Mm-hmm. Like we know it's like us against the world or that's the feel and that's the way I want it to feel and that we have to be supportive to, to kick ass. But yeah, I mean, the fix, we when we started the company that week, we, we got in a conference room. In one hour, we decided what that gun was going to be. Sure. And I posted a picture on Instagram the other day of like the first sort of line yeah. art of what it was going to be. And it is pretty much exactly that gun. Huh. And that was about two months worth of modeling to get that drawing. And not very much has like changed on the outside as far as form, fit, function. It's it's all just uh, when you design something. Do you do you think about how you're going to manufacture it, or yes. you just okay, that's part of the yeah. Problem. It has to be now. You know, back a hundred years ago, there was one way to make shit. Now, mm-hmm. so that's like the fixed receiver is designed to be cast. So if, if Casting sucks if you have a part and then you decide you're going to cast it. Uh-huh. But if you if they they understand manufacturing and how what a part needs to be to be able to cast it. So right now the fixed receiver is a bitch to machine. We could machine it easier had it not been designed to cast from the beginning. But eventually it'll be a cast, but the casting will be as good as what we're doing now because they designed it that way from the beginning. So it's actually going to be a little bit better because we had to make design compromises to machine it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And so, well, so is it just a upfront investment thing? Why aren't you already casting it, having Ruger like investment cast for you or whatever? Because we're still in the point where I don't want to set it in stone what it's okay. going to be for the next 5,000 guns. Because yeah. some of the changes have been very subtle to where if it's not them, you would never know it. But yeah. oh, the yeah. gun has evolved already. Yeah, sure. And does that just take customer feedback or just we, we, well, a, a lot of it is we have the engineers doing all the assembly now, except for when customers come, we make them assemble their guns. <laughs> but yeah. we make a lot of thing, a lot of small changes to make it easier to assemble or okay. or basically just make the gun better. So like. The bolt stop spring, that's changed four or five times. And really it's just to get a little bit easier to make, maybe to make it a little bit easier for the vendor to make or easier for us to assemble. So that's changed a bunch yeah, of the trigger there's, spring. There's, yeah, there's been no dramatic change. Like they did an incredible job, but it's all subtleties, which they're not going to learn or understand on the computer. It's like, and not once you get one gun or two guns and you hand fit them, it's like, okay, when you get 100 guns, okay. So then you see, oh, well, or this you, tolerance, maybe we should do this, or this spring or should be captured. one vendor saying, like the Cochrane vendor, <laughs> he throws out two out of every five he makes to meet the print. We changed it a little bit, and now he can make them twice as fast, and he throws away none of them, and mm-hmm. the price got a little bit better. And it's a, it's, a, it's a lighter part, and it's a better part, and it's easier to make, and it's better for everybody. It's just one of those things where you don't know it until you start making. Yeah. We, don't, like, we don't machine most of the parts. We'll do some of the critical secondary operations, but machining some of those parts, you have to go find somebody who's like a Swiss expert or a screw machine expert right. or a 3D yeah, machine you know, expert. Doing it this way, we can deliver... A production precision gun that will shoot as well as a six thousand dollar hand, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. gun that somebody spends two weeks hand fitting it. Just keep oh. out, do you have any rules that you're working within? Like, uh, you're going to no. get them cast from Imbel in Brazil, or is it everything going to be American? You have any like 
we must find an American supplier. No, or not well, do I don't know. We're gonna I don't know what Ethan's going to say, but that's what I was going to say. Like, I don't give a shit. It's going to be the best. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the American stuff, that's great. We all are pay- it's, it's, it's like with the school shooting. So, like, nobody wants to see kids die. Like, everybody's patriotic and you want shit made here. But if we don't have, like, if there is a capability that is three times better, my goal mm-hmm. is to deliver the best product to the customer, period. And if America sucks at this one thing, but Brazil is great at it, I'll buy a part from Brazil. It's America's job to get better. America right. sucks at having titanium. Yeah, it's, it's, look, I got I, <laughs> We have not very much of that. Same yeah. thing with nickel. Yeah. Nickel's all in, like, Canada and Russia, so we will get it from yeah. those places. And Same thing with titanium. Yeah, so, yeah, we we suck at having some natural resources. We're great at a lot of other stuff. Yeah, it's good for us to have competition with other countries. I mean, that yeah. make, that breeds innovation. You know, it make, we have to compete that way. You know, back to back world war champs. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. <laughs> that is great. Um, yeah. Did you say cock ring earlier? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I thought I heard that. We, that's another thing. We have no rules with our part naming conventions. Yeah, you know. Well, on the drawing, it's ring comma cock, but. It's a cock ring, and it's the ring that goes in the shroud that cocks the gun. Has anybody tested it? What do you mean? As a cock ring. Mm-hmm. Well, we well, found somebody with a dick small. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I don't know. Are, are you signing up? I don't know. We'll send you one. I can go get one. That's inside of the bolt? It's inside yeah. the shroud. It's outside of the, oh, yeah, the bolt. Oh, right. <laughs> uh, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, it's like, too, if you look in the inside of the honey badger butt plate, like it's shaped like a cock and balls. Yeah. Is that on purpose? Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure it is. We hide as much stuff as we can. No, no, the butt stock. Oh, okay. So on the inside of it, it's like, you know, it's injection molded parts. So it's like... Every single one of them. Got a dick on it. That's cool. Is it? Yeah. It is. And it's right next to your chin. Like usual. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have an HR department? Mm-hmm. Yeah, his wife. She just brought you tacos. <laughs> and what does she deal with? Tacos. <laughs> we don't have any HR. Or right? <laughs> she is. She's, She's in charge of a lot of things. Um, yeah, no, we don't deal with... We, yeah. I don't know, HR might be... Uh, yeah, our, our hiring process the only, was, I mean, was Jessica rigorous. HR. She was HBIC. Oh, so she thought she was. Um, yeah, she, she was. Jessica was probably the biggest HR problem, uh, actually. Probably. Um, I think now HR is just um, maybe a couple of the families that have to deal with like some insurance stuff or whatever. Okay. But, I mean, you get unlimited faith. Yeah, yeah, unlimited vacation and stuff like that. So there's not a lot of but that, and that's it's a lot of it's issues. Like, it's like a family. There's a lot of very hard. Like that's what we try to do. Like intentionally, is there's a lot of harsh jokes, so that when it comes down to like criticism of like your work product, mm-hmm. it's a lot easier to tell like Brian, hey, you got to keep working on it because it's not right, and they don't get all butthurt. So you don't. They're used to very very harsh like jokes. Like I mean. Mitch, I got a fucking black eye. Broke my glasses. At the last, the kid at the that works for him party. beat him up. Yeah. <laughs> Did you deserve it? No. Yes. Uh, there's got to be on the side of this. Story. Yeah. Well, no. He, he, accidentally, he's, or he's very, actually. No, he, he's a Midwest farm kid. He's the youngest brother. They're all very big and strong. That's he works he out a lot. <laughs> so we're having birthday party. And we're all like drinking beer and stuff and. And I don't know what happened. Maybe I slapped him or something. Yeah. Something happened. So, so I ended up beating several of us up. Yeah. <laughs> I got the best of it, apparently. Fight. I kept telling him, stop. I don't fight. But no, we don't. But. No, I mean, you know, that is one concern. Like, as you grow, how do you maintain that culture? In advanced armament, we didn't do a very good job. Like, we ended up with conflict between, like, the front and the back, like, design the guys that work in the back. Hmm. And as we continue to grow like i do not want to machine our stuff like i don't have any interest in being a machine shop but no, we're gonna the, the, those two we might have a separation at some point where we maintain maintain the our very lax um well let's say our culture <laughs> at the design on the design team and then have assembly manufacturing and all be in a separate building and maybe have some hard ass there that has more rules. I think a modern company doesn't need to machine their own equipment, their own products, you know, like well, it's only well, if you, it's Apple only, doesn't make the iPhone. Yeah, it's exactly. Only if you want to control every single aspect of the company. But then you're structure. gonna be a huge company yep. and you're gonna lose your nimility. Is that a yeah. word? Nimility? It feels like a word. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Nimble. 
Let's go with nimbility. Nimbility. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's not a word. Yeah, but I like it is it. now. Um, but yeah, I think we're going to have to start instituting uh, interview cage matches. <laughs> yeah, that's what it should be. <laughs> but I mean, I, I think, too, it's, it's interesting um, and, and, uh, in talking about when you talk to a COO and whatever and how they want to control things and how they perceive money as being made. No, we're giving up money here because they're a machine and they're buying the raw materials. We need to buy the raw materials. We'll give it to them. We're going to save this stupid... It's like, okay, so instead of hiring an engineer to design stuff that makes us like 40%, then we're going to hire a guy to do this thing to beat up the vendors to save 2%. Mike, we only have so many resources and I only have so much time during the day and I only have so many things that I can tolerate. And like, that's just not a thing. I would rather us just make a higher margin and not deal with those sorts of issues. And, and I don't know, in long term, I could be wrong, and I'm willing, you know, and I reserve the right to change my mind on everything because I've been wrong about silencers, guns, and shit all the time. And I, and I evolve, and as I get more knowledge, I change. But right now, what we have is clearly very special. You know, with just over a dozen guys, what we've done in two years, you know, SIG with $500 million a year couldn't do in 10 years. Um, Where's your head at? When, when you're looking at a whiteboard with five product ideas, um, mm. How do you choose the one that you focus on? Is it, is it money? Like, okay, this one's going to sell the most and make profit? Or is it the one no. that's the most innovative? Or what do you no, It's what it, it does to me. It's like, what are we passionate about? Um, and that is kind of how we do it. We have a list of five or ten things. The first thing, I think, is who's going to lead the project. If it's a pistol, then there's two, three, four guys in the entire world that I would want to lead that. Mm. If we have access to one of them... If we don't, then we don't do that project. Um, I, th I think that's one thing. Then it is market condition. You know, we were working on the integral pistol, and I love that Silencer Co. did it first. And it's flopping. And some of that, you know, I'm, I'm happy because screw them because they're better. But then the other part is, like, I want silencers to be mm -hmm. more prevalent. And I want that to be successful because I know what we're doing, what we were working on is better than the Maxim 9. And so that's great to get people interested, kind of to me, like the Ruger RPR or whatever, compared to the Fix. I love that they do that, and that Remington's doing that gun that you guys got yesterday. It doesn't freaking compete with us. Like, you hold those guns. I mean, nothing about it is, you know, it's not innovative. It's, it's like Igloo and Yeti or whatever comparison you would want to make. Um, but it's market condition. And then sometimes it's resource, whether it be just financial or it's a duration thing. Because, um, you know, some things to develop, like the fix was millions of dollars for us to develop that. Millions of dollars. Um, could we have done it cheap if Ethan had done the whole thing and that's all he worked on in his year for a basement would have a real company? Maybe. Yeah, but the hinge wouldn't be as good. <laughs> the hinge would not be as good. Um, so, I, yeah, it just depends on the time, how I feel, who we've got, what the market is, what our resources are. Um, you know, if we have a, if we have a buddy or, uh, we're working closely with a shop that specializes in this, and this mm -hmm. is a major component of this thing we want to work on, that kind of partnership probably makes sense. Um, I, I think what I've learned now is not to force a product. Um, internally it's bad and then generally don't get the product or if I have to force it, I'm probably delusional and it doesn't get the market acceptance that I uh, expect. It makes sense. Maybe, yeah. So, um, yeah. I guess that's it. I mean, I think we're going to slow roll a lot of stuff over the next few years. Production's a big deal. Like the backlog is as we're ramping production of the Honey Badger and the fix, you know, the order is orders are still outpacing, especially now that people are getting them. Mm -hmm. The orders are really outpacing um, production, so that's a big focus for us. So we've got some new products in the pipeline that'll be out over the next two to three years. Um, Where do you see the company in ten years? Dominating. In what aspect? Uh, silencers, bolts, semi-autos, yeah, everywhere? I, I think... Sports uh, cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think um, um, firearms, definitely bolt guns. Um, you, in 10 years, you probably see some new gas guns, probably a handgun, probably an integral handgun. Um, we'll own the silencer market. Um, we'll continue to develop ammunition. Um, with, in partnerships with like Discrete Ballistics, who's a small company in New Hampshire, mm -hmm. and Hornady, which we're doing the 8.6 Creedmoor with. 
um, you know, just trying to change the industry. I mean, I see us being an innovator that continues to grow the revenue and, you know, the SKU and the product line. You know, I, I want a full product line if it makes sense. Like, I can't really think right now. I'm not into, like, hunting with shotguns and stuff, so that's not, like, a priority to me. Um, I want every gun to have a silencer. Uh, you know, I want to be able to kind of push legislation. Um, no, I, I see us as, as a big company in 10 years that, um, from a financial perspective, but that we stay small and agile personnel-wise compared to most big companies. Maintain your nobility. <laughs> yeah, maintain that. Or agility. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think for us, as long as we can be innovative and make an impact on something, um, you know, it's a reason to keep doing it. I think when that's done, then it's probably time to hand the company off to somebody else. Or burn it to the ground. Burn it to the ground, yeah, <laughs> walk away. You know, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, money's a driver for me. I'd love for, you know, all the guys that have been there since the beginning to make everybody rich. Um, Do you give stock to your early employees? Probably will. Okay. Yeah. Cool. I mean, I've set aside. And now that you brought it up. <laughs> no, I've, I've brought it there. I've set it. I've set aside. Um, That's good. Stock to give to them. Yeah. My goal is to eventually own fifty-one percent, mm-hmm. or that my trust or someone else that will do what I want does. But, cool. uh, um, but yeah, I don't. I don't know. We're either gonna we're either gonna fail, which I don't think is likely. Or we're going to succeed, and to me, like 100% of money compared to 51% at that point is, it's not going to change my life one bit. 